Amen. Let's go to the book of Numbers tonight. Numbers chapter 13 and 14. We'll be reading there. And we're also going to read from Philippians chapter 3 and verse, uh, that very well-known verse of Scripture, verse 13, Philippians chapter 3. I've been sharing with you on a series of statements, of declarations. The first was, I am strong. We talked about the fact that we are strong because of the presence of of the grace of God in our life. Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. We learned about the power of humility. Last week, we talked about I am blessed. Paul said, I am uh, going to come to you in all the fullness of blessing. And what an important truth for us to know uh, as we walk uh, in this Christian life, to know that we are blessed. How many of you know you're blessed tonight? I don't just mean that you uh, acknowledge that you have it better than you might otherwise or that you have it better than other people. Now, that certainly may be true. But when I say I am blessed, I'm talking about that you understand, that I understand that we have the divine declaration of favor spoken over our life by the Almighty God. How many of you know that you're blessed? Tonight I want to teach on I am able. Everyone say that with me. I am able. That was about four of you. Let's hear it tonight. All of you say it with me. I am able. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. You all know by memory the Bible says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And in Numbers chapter 13 And verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the men who had gone with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. Father, I pray tonight that you would speak to us by the power of your word, that you would fill our heart with this assurance that we are well able to do those things which you have called us to do and set in our hearts to do. And I pray tonight that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach and preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the congregation as they hear the word tonight, that they might put it to use in their life. The word able means to have the power, the means, or the opportunity to do something. La palabra... Poder significa tener la habilidad, los medios o la oportunidad de hacer algo. Así que esta noche vamos a hablar sobre este tema, yo puedo. Y hemos visto aquí las palabras del apóstol Pablo, todo lo puedo en Cristo que me fortalece. We hear these words by the apostle Paul when he says, I can Do all things to Christ. He's saying, I have the power, I have the skills, I have the means, I have the opportunity to do the things that God has required of me or called me to do. And I want us to look tonight in this study out of the book of Numbers at the contrast between these these two groups of people, those who thought they could and couldn't, and those who thought they could 
and did. How many of you want to be on the team that thought they could and did? Say amen. Everybody uh, in life is going to have to decide which one of these two teams they're on. The Bible tells us that Moses brought the people of Israel to the uh, edge of the Jordan River, the edge of the promised land, at a place called Kedesh Barnea. And while they were there, uh, they had sent spies to go into the land of uh, the promised land, the land of Canaan, to see what it was they were about to enter into. This was the promised land, so-called because God had promised it to Abraham and to the children of Israel uh, several hundreds of years before. And now they're on the very edge of possession. The Bible says that they sent in 12 spies and uh, two, uh, these 12 spies went in and they surveyed the land for 40 days. They went uh, the, the length and breadth of the land for 40 days and when they came back, they all agreed on one thing. They all agreed that the land was indeed a land flowing with milk and honey. They all agreed that the land was a blessed land, a land of uh, fertility, a land of great, uh, of great promise, a land of great provision. But they did not agree on whether or not they could take the land. They did not agree, could not agree on their ability. Ten of the spies came back and said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. Diez de los espías que entraron a la tierra dijeron, no podemos. And this first group, the Bible tells us uh, what is motivating them in verse 11 of chapter 14. Este primer grupo, vemos lo que los está motivando in Numeros 14, verse 11. The Bible said, the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people spurn me? And how long will they not believe in me and despise all the signs which I have performed in their midst? Dice uh, 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 Números 14, verso 11, que Jehová le dijo a Moisés, ¿hasta cuándo? And he gives three things that are in the heart of this group of people. The people that say, I cannot, I am not able. First of all, he said, they have spurned me. That means to reject with contempt or disdain. Primero, habían rechazado a Dios. Now, the people wouldn't, would say to you that if you asked them, have you rejected God? This group of people would have said, no, by no means. We have not rejected God. And yet, uh, God said they have spurned me. They have rejected me uh, to do so with contempt, with disdain. They are looking down on the promise of God. Ellos habían rechazado a Dios con su actitud, ante, aunque ellos uh, le dijeran a usted, yo no rechacé a Dios, pero su actitud era una uh, de rechazo uh, hacia Dios, así uh, algo como que estaba mirando hacia abajo. They were looking down on the promise of God. Let it never be that you and I would look down on the promise of God. Uh, que nunca nos ocurra que estemos en un lugar de mirar hacia abajo, uh, hacia la promesa de Dios. Porque uh, a, a people that look down on what God has promised will never be able to go up. Jamás un pueblo que mira hacia abajo sobre las promesas de Dios 
jamás podrá subir hacia arriba. They could not go because they would not uh, look with, uh, with, uh, with respect to the promise of God. Ellos no podían porque no tenían respeto para las promesas de Dios. Somebody say, I am able. You see, the reason they said I am not able was because they had no respect for the promise of God. Ellos dijeron no podemos porque no tenían respeto para la promesa de Dios. In other words, they didn't think that God could do what he said he could do. No creían que Dios podía hacer lo que él dijo que él podía hacer. The next thing they did, the Bible said, God said, they have not believed in me. Dice uh, la segunda cosa ahí, que Dios dijo sobre ellos que no le habían creído a él. Unbelief will always make you unable. La falta de fe siempre te hará incapaz de hacer las cosas grandes que Dios te ha llamado a hacer. Somebody say, I am able. In order to be able, you have to be a believer. Para poder hacer las cosas, tienes que creer. This was an unbelieving people. And their unbelief, the Bible says, was uh, in, in spite of, that's number three there, despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst. La incredulidad de este pueblo era algo que ocurre uh, en, en presencia de grandes señales que Dios había hecho por ellos. That's the third sin of these people. They ignored the signs. Número tres, ellos ignoraron las señales. They ignored the, the many ways which God had already shown up in their life. Ignoraron las muchas formas en la cual Dios ya se había manifestado en su vida. And so their unbelief and their ignorance of what God had already done Created in them a spirit of cannot. Uh, la, la incredulidad y su uh, desprecio o su ignorar de las señales que Dios había hecho causó que ellos pensaran que no podían. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that these people did not enter the land because they did not mix what they knew with faith. Dice el libro de Hebreos que este pueblo no entró a la tierra porque no mezclaron lo que sabían con la fe. What did they know? ¿Qué sabían? Well, if you look back at the, at the Exodus, si usted regresa uh, al Éxodo, va a ver lo que ellos sabían. They saw God deliver them with nine plagues uh, plus the Passover. Ellos vieron a Dios liberarlos con nueve plagas y luego también la Pascua, ten signs of God's power. Diez señales del poder de Dios. How many of you would believe if you saw ten signs of God's power? ¿Cuántos creían, uh, creerían si vieran cien señales de la, del poder de Dios? Then they came out to the Red Sea, and what did God do with the Red Sea? Salieron al Mar Rojo, y ¿qué ocurrió ahí? God parted the sea. Luego Jehová parte el mar rojo. They crossed on dry ground. Ellos cruzaron uh, el mar rojo en tierra seca. Would you believe if you cross a, a, a sea 
uh, on dry ground. ¿Cuántos creyeran si Dios les diera la, la oportunidad de cruzar el mar rojo? Say amen if you would. Would that make a believer out of you? ¿Haría hecho eso creyente de usted? Uh, luego ellos vieron una columna de fuego. They also saw a column of fire and a pillar of cloud. They saw the fire by night and the cloud by day. Vieron uh, la, la columna de fuego de noche y la, la nube de día. By night, in those cold desert nights, the cloud kept them warm. And by day, in that hot desert heat, that cloud uh, kept them cool. And they saw this, and yet they did not believe. When they became hungry, they had manna from heaven. Now, the Bible said they knew all of this. Did they know God could? You think they knew God could do things that were outside of their reach? Absolutely, yes. But they did not mix what they knew with faith. No mezclaron lo que sabían con la fe. Think about that. They had an opportunity to enter the promised land, but they did not mix what they knew with faith. No mezclaron lo que ellos sabían con la fe. So, now let me pause on Israel and let me talk to us tonight. Vamos a hablar ahora a nosotros esta noche. How many signs of God's power have you seen in your life? ¿Cuántas señales del poder de Dios ha visto usted en su vida? Have you seen a few? Have you seen many? ¿Ha visto algunas? ¿Han visto muchas? Every one of us here tonight, I'm sure, has seen the power of God in our life. Sin duda, todos nosotros esta noche hemos visto el poder de Dios en nuestra vida. If you have no other testimony... If you're a believer, you have at least this testimony that Jesus saved your soul. Come on, that is a, an act of God's power in your life. Si usted es salvo esta noche, usted tiene la maravillosa señal de la salvación en su vida. And after that, there's just so many testimonies each of us have of God's power. But you realize just how easy it is when you get into pressure. When you hear bad news, when you hear how bad the challenge is or how big the challenge really is, it's easy to forget what God has already done. And so these people ignored the signs. They ignored the, the things that God had already performed in their midst. And God said to Moses, this people has spurned me. They don't believe in me and they have despised all the signs which I have performed in their midst. And so the outcome for them was that they became a people that said, I am not able. That's the ten spies. On the other hand, there are two other spies, Caleb and Joshua. These men said, I am able. Everyone say that with me. I am able. You and I as believers have to cultivate this faith, this confidence. I am able. Now we've said uh, that, uh, first of all, we need to confess that I am strong. We said last week we need to confess, I am blessed. So I'm going to tell you, here's number one. You need to confess that you are able. Número uno, usted y yo tenemos que confesar que si podemos. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ. Pablo dijo, todo lo puedo en Cristo 
que me fortalece. So long as your confession is that I can't, then you won't. Mientras tanto, usted confiese que no puede, no podrá. That's so important for you and I to recognize. Es tan importante reconocer eso. Mientras tanto, confesemos que no podemos, no podremos. So long as we confess I can't, we cannot. Because God is going to respond. He's going to manifest his power in response to your declaration, to your faith. Dios, Dios va a responder, va a manifestar su poder de acuerdo a nuestra a confesión, de acuerdo a nuestra declaración. And so Caleb and Joshua here uh, in verse 30, the Bible says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. That's his confession. That is his declaration of faith. Él está declarando en fe lo que él puede y cree que Dios va a hacer en su vida. Now, I want to just mention tonight that it's important for us to understand what true biblical confession is. Es importante uh, entender qué es la confesión uh, bíblica. Because there are a lot of unbiblical teaching on confession. Hay mucha conf uh, uh, enseñanza sobre la confesión que no es bíblica. But uh, tonight I've given you the third confession that you and I need to make. And that is that I am able. So what are the, what, what are the guidelines for that? Well, biblical confession is, first of all, biblical. Uh, that means that when you, uh, when you confess something, you are confessing what the Word of God says. La confesión bíblica es confesar lo que Dios ha dicho. When you and I uh, look at the Word of God, we see the promise in the Word of God. We declare that promise over our life. We are engaging in biblical confession. Cuando vemos la promesa de la palabra de Dios y confesamos esa promesa sobre nuestra vida, estamos uh, actuando en confesión bíblica. Uh, there are some people that, that teach an unbiblical form of confession. I'll give you two examples. Hay quienes enseñan una confesión no bíblica. Uh, that is, first of all, there are some that teach that your sins can be forgiven by going to a confessional and having a priest uh, hear your confession. Hay quienes creen que uh, usted puede ser perdonado de sus pecados si usted va a un confesional, se confesa, y ahí el sacerdote uh, le da lo que usted necesite para ser perdonado. Now, this is not biblical confession. Esto no es la, la confesión bíblica. Now the Bible says that if you will confess to, to the Lord, uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So the forgiveness of sins comes by confessing your sin to God. Say amen, somebody. La, 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 el perdón de nuestros pecados viene cuando confesamos nuestro pecado a Dios. You can confess your sins to me all day. I can't forgive one of them. Because I didn't shed my blood on the cross for you. And there's only one who did. And his name is Jesus. And he doesn't need anybody to stand between you and him. He says, come unto me. And if you'll come to him and you'll confess your sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive you of all unrighteousness. Say amen. 
That's uh, the first. Uh, neg- that's the first unbiblical confession that I uh, want you to think about because it's out there and it's taught. Obviously, it's not practiced by us, and so you may not have heard of it too regularly. But it is out there. Another form of unbiblical confession that is out there is one that teaches that if you have a problem in your life, then you need to deny that problem. And so they'd say, if you have a headache, uh, don't say that you have a headache. Say, I don't have a headache. Well, the Bible never teaches you to deny a problem. The Bible never teaches you to deny a situation in your life. In fact, uh, the Bible says that that Abraham, he... He uh, un- he understood the deadness of his own body and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And yet he believed. So we see there that Abraham is not denying the problem, but he is recognizing there's a higher power involved. What does the Bible teach about this? The Bible teaches that we are to call things that be not as though they were. So if you have a headache, instead of denying the problem... What you do is confess the solution. Say amen, somebody. You say, I am healed. You see, people who deny that they have a, a need cannot receive a, an answer to that need. Now, people who deny that they are sick cannot receive healing. You have to come in biblical confession and declare God's word over your life, whether it be for provision in your finances or healing in your body or restoration in your relationship. God is not teaching you to deny. He is teaching you to confront the reality that you face with a greater reality, with the greater truth, which is the word of God. So what's our confession tonight? I am able. Now, everything that the uh, the ten spies said was practically true. There were giants in the land. And those people were much better prepared. They were fortified. They had standing armies. They had kings. They have, they have a weaponry of which Israel has none. They are not prepared for this type of, of, of confrontation. And so... You could look at it in the natural and say, we are not able. But what does Caleb do? He confesses, we are able. I am able. And the reason he does that is, number two, that in order to uh, live in this, in this mindset, you have to have a promise perspective. Everyone say promise perspective. The, the ten spies had a problem perspective. They saw the strong enemy. They saw the uh, fortified and impenetrable cities, and they saw the ancient claims uh, to the land. Look at uh, chapter 13 of Numbers, verse 27. And when they told him, they said, we went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of the Anakin there. That means the giants. So they're looking at three realities. There's the, the strength of the enemy. There's the, uh, the impenetrable cities. And then there's the ancient claim to the land. What they're looking at is the 
the practical. We don't have an army big enough to fight against armed armies. We don't have the weapons we need to penetrate the walls of these cities. And above all of that, there's a legal problem. And that is that these people have a legal claim to the land. Therefore, we are not able. Caleb looks at all of that, but he doesn't have a problem perspective. He has a promise perspective. And he says, we are able to go up against the people. For we, for they are, pardon, uh, to take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. And if you go over to chapter 14 and verse at six, Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jethnoah and those who spied out the land tore their clothes and they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel saying, the land which we pass through to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. The land which flows with, with milk And honey, what's his perspective? His perspective is the promise of God. Let's go up. We are able because God is with us. It's important tonight for you to cultivate a promise perspective. I've taught you this before. I'm going to keep teaching it to you. Whenever you face a challenge in your life, whatever it is, physical, emotional, financial, uh, whatever it is, you your first step needs to be to grab a hold of the promise of God about that problem in your life. What does God say about this situation in my life? What does God say? If you're facing financial lack, what do you need to do? Go to the Word and get the Word of God on this problem. If you're facing a health issue, go to the Word. Get the Word of God on that health issue. Say amen, somebody. If you are facing a relationship problem, go to the Word. What does God say about this? Maybe you are trying to, to build a business or, uh, or step into a dream that God has given you. Go to the Word. What does God's Word say about this dream? What does God's Word say about this vision that I'm trying to see brought about in my life? Many times what we do is we go to people. I said, look at this problem I have. And they say, oh, that's a big problem. And then instead of encouraging you, they discourage you. And instead of building you up, they tear you down. And you say, you know what? The doctor said this, that, the other. And they say, oh, no, my uncle died of that. He got that and he died in two weeks. And instead of encouraging your faith, they discourage your faith. You've got to go to the word. Say amen, somebody. That's where the truth is. Get a promise of God's word and apply it to your life. And like, like you would do if your doctor gave you a prescription and said, take this uh, twice a day for the next 10 days. And you would do so because you want to get better. So you need to go to the word and apply that word to your life until you see things agreeing with the word of God in your life. Say amen, somebody. Until the circumstances in your life start to look like the word. Now, it might take you a while to see that, but there needs to be in every one of our hearts a, a promise perspective. Here's number three. You, if, in order for you to be able to do the things God has called you to do, you're going to have to refuse to go back. Say amen, somebody. Say, I refuse to go back. 
Now look what happens to this people. In verse 3, the Bible says, Why is the Lord bringing us into this land? This is chapter 14 in Numbers. Verse 3. To fall by the sword, our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. Now, it's not that many chapters back that you can go and see them crying out to leave Egypt. But because they have a problem perspective, not a promise perspective, they are ready to go back. They are ready to return. What do you have to do tonight? In order to be able, you have to refuse to go back. Damn it, somebody. Look, when, uh, when the enemy tries to tempt you to look back, to go back, he will, he will make the paths sound so good. He'll, he'll talk to you about the good old days. And you never had this problem back in the good old days. Back in, in those times before, uh, before you were walking with the Lord. You never had these challenges in your life. He will paint a picture of something that was not true. Not real. But see... Uh, the temptation is there to go back. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that uh, the, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they continued walking in faith toward the promises of God. And, it's, and it says that if the city that they were looking for had been physical, then they could have gone back to the place that they had left. But in as much as it wasn't physical, because they weren't looking for a physical city, they were looking for a city whose builder and maker was God, then there was no place to go back to. That has to be the faith of the believer. To say, look, devil, there is nothing for me to go back to. I can only go forward. I can only go onward because my future is not in my past. My future is in the glorious victory that God has for me in my future. Say amen, somebody. You have to refuse to go back. Refuse to look back. Refuse to... Uh, adopt that mentality that your best days are behind you. No, your best days are not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. Say, so, well, preacher, if you were uh, if you were my age, you would think differently. I don't know uh, what it is about the human nature that wants us to go back. Perhaps it's that comfort that we sense in the days. Gone by, but the reality is for the believer, there's only one way, and that's forward. Back is not an option. And no matter what age you are, if your future is the glory of God, the presence of God, the uh, victory of God, then there is no way to return. They said, let us return to Egypt. They were ready to find a new leader. They were ready to get... Uh, a, a new plan. You've got to stick with the plan God has given you. Say amen, somebody. Believe God until you see it happen and manifesting in your life. The Bible said that Moses and Aaron fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly and the congregation of the sons of Israel. Here's the, the fourth thing you need. You have to have a covenant Perspective. Everyone say covenant perspective. 
Look at verse 9 of chapter 14. They said, do not rebel against the Lord. This is now they're speaking to the crowd. Joshua and Caleb. Say, don't rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land. For they will be our prey. Look, this is such an important phrase right here. Don't miss it. Their protection has been removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. What did Caleb say? Their protection has been removed from them. Look, this is a covenant statement. Caleb has a spiritual perspective. Because you see, the, the, the no-can't crowd said, those people have a claim to the land. They have a claim to it from ancient uh, uh, peoples. It belongs to them. And Caleb says, no, they don't. Because their protection has been removed. There has been a change in the covenant that existed with that people. And, and you and I have to be like Caleb in recognizing what our covenant privileges are as God's people. And, and what, Joshua, what Caleb and Joshua are doing here is understanding this. I have protection Because I'm in the covenant of God. They're not in the covenant. Therefore they have no protection. The Canaanites have had their protection removed. And if you study the Bible you understand that God uh, did not allow Israel to enter the land until the time of the Canaanites had expired. But when that time expired their protection was removed. Whereby uh, they no longer had anyone to defend them. There was no longer any legal right to keep out the nation of Israel. However, the children of Israel were the covenant children of God. And the, the covenant children of God had the protection of the Almighty God. Look at how this protection worked. The Bible says that when, when Caleb and Joshua are here standing in front of this crowd, and this crowd wants to, wants to go back to Egypt, and they're ready to get a new leader, look at what happens. The Bible says... That the congregation said, stone them with stones. The people of Israel, the the, the ten spies and the rest of the nation, misguided by their unbelief, was ready to stone Caleb and Joshua for their testimony. And uh, most likely uh, Moses and, and Aaron as well. They're ready to stone them with stones. Look at what happens next. Verse 10. Then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent. Look at what happens. These people are ready to stone Joshua and Caleb. They're ready to stone Moses and Aaron. And because they're standing in the covenant, the Bible says the glory of God appears. God himself showed up to protect Caleb and Joshua and Aaron and Moses. Say amen, somebody. You've got to have a covenant perspective. You've got to understand this. Look, if everything else is going against me, I've got one thing going for me. I'm in covenant with the Almighty God. He's my defense. He's my wall. He is my strength. Come on, He's a wall of fire built round about me. He is the one who's going to not only protect me, but He's going to bring me through. Therefore, I am able. These Canaanites have nothing with which they can hold back the purpose of the promise of God. And neither do these unbelieving Israelites. 
Do you remember when David went against the giant Goliath? It's basically the same problem going on here. You have, you have God's people facing giants. And David comes and he says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to stand against the living God? To stand or to taunt the armies of the living God. What's, what's, David, what's David doing there? He's demonstrating his covenant perspective. Because circumcision was the covenant symbol of the nation of Israel. And David goes out on that, on that uh, battlefield and he sees an, a Philistine who's challenging, who's taunting, but he's not in the covenant. And he looks at himself and he's small and he's just one man and he may not have a whole lot of weaponry, but he's in the covenant. Listen, is there anybody in the covenant here tonight? Is there anybody in covenant with God here tonight? And guess what? You don't have to flinch or blink in front of any giant that stands in front of you because you are able. And the reason you are able is that you are a covenant child of God. If you're in the covenant, shout amen. Jesus said that this this is a new covenant in my blood. And if you've entered into Christ by faith, you've entered into the new covenant. And you are now a part of God's winning strategy. Say, I can't lose. Now that was that was soft. Say, I can't lose. Do you believe that tonight? Listen, if you have a covenant perspective, you'll know that. I can't lose. David goes out there on that battlefield knowing he couldn't lose. Caleb goes out there in front of that congregation and in front of that promised land and says, we can't lose. Why? Because we are in covenant with the Almighty God. And this covenant is a covenant of peace. We have peace with God. This covenant is a covenant of provision. We have the provision for every one of our needs. This covenant is a covenant of protection. That we are protected by the almighty hand of God. This covenant is a covenant of promotion. That, that the, the work of God promotes you. From glory to glory. Come on somebody. If you're in the covenant tonight, you ought to be excited about that. You are God's covenant child. And as such, you have the right to all that the covenant contains. And the symbol, as I mentioned just a moment ago, for that new covenant is the bread and the and the. The fruit of the vine. It's the blood and the body of Christ represented in that, in that cup and in that bread. Now I want you to just think about this for a minute. Because every time we take the Lord's Supper, we are remembering that we are the covenant family of God. Not everyone can take the Lord's Supper. Haven't you noticed? We don't have a drive through Lord's Supper for people to come and say, give me two Lord's Suppers. It is, a, it is a covenant symbol 
that belongs exclusively to the family of God. To the believer. And that covenant has set you apart. It has made you a part of God's family. To the blood and body of the Lord Jesus. So when you and I look at a challenge. We look at a, a, a controversy. We look, we look at a dream that seems bigger than we are. We look at a, a problem that seems bigger than we are. We need to look to the covenant. And just ask yourself, did Jesus die for this problem? Did he shed his blood for this problem? And if he did, you know he did because he did it for all. For the victory, for all, every victory in your life. Then you know I can't lose. I can't lose. God won't let me fail because I'm his covenant child. Jesus shed his blood. He, he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And the risen Savior is now in me by the power of the Spirit to give me the ability to do all that God has required of me to do. Therefore you can say I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because you are a covenant child of God. The more the believer comes to understand the covenant and the blessings of the covenant the more the believer becomes unmoved. By the challenges, whether they be giants, whether they be lies, whether they be attacks of the enemy, whatever they may be, becomes harder to move us when we are standing securely in the reality of who we are as the covenant people of God. God said these words, I'll close with this. He said, my my covenant I will not break. Nor will I alter the words that come from my mouth. Let that sink in tonight. Let it just seep into your spirit tonight. What did God say? He said, my covenant I shall not break. Nor will I alter the words that come from my mouth. So if you go tonight and you say, Lord, your word says that you will supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. You'll never hear him say, oh, that was, that was an old promise. Look at the expiration date. Never. Come on, somebody. His covenant he will not break. Normally alter the word from his mouth. He said, oh, you know, I amended that. Two years ago, and it says that I shall supply most of your needs. No, he says, I will not change my word to you. I will not alter my word to you. Let's stand tonight. And tonight as you stand, I want you to just stand up knowing. Stand in that assurance that you are able. You are able. Because you're in Christ. He is your ability.
He is the power you need. Listen, church. We're living in dangerous times. Times where people are falling by the wayside in their faith. Times where challenges are are going to come in greater succession, one after the other. You and I have to know who we are. And we've got to know that we are able. That we are able to take the promised land. Because God is with us. Come on, God's covenant people, just lift your hands to heaven. Just declare your faith and confidence in God. Just speak tonight. Declare, confess, I am able. Father, in Jesus' name, tonight we confess that we have the victory. That we are able to stand when others are falling. We are able to walk when others are fainting. We are able to fight when others have given up because we are your covenant children.